0: Everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux episode 111, PPAs. Recorded September 8th, 2013, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. Something about the middle school boy in me just had to chuckle inwardly as I said PPAs. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> yeah, I went straight to the bathroom on it. Um, not literally. Yep that that would be bad um so (laughs) ppas are uh, this is actually in a response accelerators yeah personal particle accelerator this actually in a response to a listener uh question so a listener generated this question and uh i accidentally deleted that email so i don't know who that listener was sorry listener but you know because you did And we are, because you did. I just don't remember who it is. But anyway, to help me do that, I may not know the listener's name, but I do know my co-host's names, and those are the great command line godfather, Mr. Chris Neves. Hey, Chris.
1: Hello, everyone in internet land, and how are we today?
0: And his stalwart companion, the yin to his yang, the gooey awesomeness that is the gooey kid, Mr. Seth Anderson. Hey, Seth. Hey, Seth. Hey, Mark, and
2: I owe a deep, heartfelt thank you to all of the Element Opie, Opie faithful who put so much pressure on the Canton ISP to get the internet fixed so I could be <laughs> on the show this week. Thank you so much. It did not come back up until this afternoon, yeah. but yes, I'm able to do the show.
0: So we were panicking just a little bit because as bad as the internet is where Seth is, it's better than nothing. We kind of need the internet yes. to do this thing.
1: Yeah. Just a little
2: bit. So they, they did not want to face the wrath of the Element Opiates <laughs> near and far, and they scrambled, and we are up and
0: running. Awesome. Uh, all, right. all right. So, two, so PPAs, uh, are. we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, basically, they're a way to get software in Ubuntu and Ubuntu derivatives. I don't know that anybody else is using them, uh, but we'll talk about that right now. But first off, I have a plea for help. Anybody out there who is a uh, MySQL slash WordPress expert? One of my WordPress sites has suddenly stopped letting anyone log on at all. You you log in and it it uh, says it does the little shaky thing and says no, even if you know it's the right password. I I uh, PHP my admin into the uh, uh, WordPress database. Uh, Uh, MD5 hashed my password, pasted it directly into the database field. So I know that's absolutely the right password, and it won't let me in. Hmm. Um, And when you do the um, forgotten my password link, whatever account you put in there, it says is not a valid. Uh, So something's awry. And I did a little searching online, and I found other people with this same problem and no solutions. So anybody out there in the vast element OP army who might have... uh, some suggestions for me i would appreciate it because i simply don't know what this could be it clearly is the right password um but it ain't working Mm. you've been pwned (laughs) well i don't think that's what it is you know i my my web host had some some issues and the element op site was down for a while and i was able to get that by back up and i think this is related to that um but i just I just don't know where to go with it, uh and it's not you know it wasn't critical there's stuff there, we're okay, the site's up. I just can't make any modifications or add anything to it so um anybody out there with any ideas let me know
1: um that's a good one mark that's that's you're a stumper there in that yeah. one
0: hey I don't bring the easy you're ones. Like- the easy ones I can fix myself.
2: You gonna do like a uh, free Element Opie hat or something to whoever helps you?
0: I, I don't know. Maybe I, I'm I'm a pretty big tightwad. Yeah, certainly I will give you. I will set you up with some free swag. Tell you what, free tickets to a live taping of this show. <laughs> How About that,
1: <laughs> that works.
0: You must provide your own airfare and and uh, accommodations. Uh, and one other thing, uh, just in case. Uh, It won't affect the recording of this show, but those of you watching live, um, if we suddenly go away, it's because my laptop is currently being kept functioning by a rubber band. Um, (laughs) the, The power jack is broken. Anybody who's had a laptop has had this issue. It gets loose mm-hmm. and right. So for the last three or four weeks, I've been jiggling it just right and finding just the right amount of pressure in the right spot so it'll keep the 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 juice going. But just today, it just nothing works anymore. So uh, I'm on battery right now. Sporadically, it'll pop up and, and charge. Uh, but I just I think it's it's dead. I don't think it's going to work uh, through this whole show. So that's what I'm reading the notes on. That's what I'm streaming on. Um, I'm recording on another one, okay. and the Skype is coming on another one. So it will only affect um, the uh, uh, the live show and, of course, my everyday editing and, and functioning after that. So um, I'm, I, I've been putting this off for a while, and now I'm, I can't anymore. It just don't work no mo.
1: That's no good.
0: It sucks, and it's a bad design. Uh, all, uh, with the exception of Max, I don't know of any uh, laptop that is well designed. But this one is even more badly designed in that the the power jack is it's big and heavy, and it's a right. It comes straight out. It's not a not right angle. It's a straight out one on the side of the laptop. So oh geez, yeah, it doesn't take anything to bump it. Plus, just the weight of the cable over the years wears on it, and and wears that connection. This is I've replaced this jack twice. This is jack number 3. Um Oof-ta. yeah and and there's just I think what I'm going to do next time is just uh, like buy a, a a jack that's connected with wires and run it outside the case. And just drill a hole in the case, hardwire it right. in there and just disconnect just separate that mechanism entirely because um, otherwise it's still a good laptop but I can't I can't charge it and I can't uh I can't run it on batteries forever. So there we go. Yeah, one so of the and most the of the uh l-
2: most of the laptop ca- laptops now, it's actually the jack is connected to the motherboard via a cable. Right. So, um
0: this one is gee, not if it, it were, This one is hard soldered in. Um and I, that's why I love the magnetic com- connector on the Mac and of course Apple patented that. So nobody can copy it even though it's a great idea and people should be able to copy it. Um they patented it patents patents are bad patents are well evil. i don't know
2: because that's not a software patent that's a hardware no, patent it's, so that's an actual
0: no i'm not saying it's an illegitimate patent i'm just saying that we all suffer because of that
2: um i wonder if they've if there have been any attempts to license that technology you know or if mac is just going no we've got it
0: and you don't man i kind of think that's it because You know, it's it's one of the things that differentiates them from everybody else. So I I really think that uh, they're they're probably intentionally keeping the wraps on that. Just my
1: guess. I'm sure.
0: All right. One last thing, and then I'll hand off the uh, show to the other guys. There are new bad movies in the uh, bad movie forum. Some doozies, I might say. But I have to tell you about the one that I found. Just... Sitting on the couch yesterday, my, my girls uh, were at a birthday party. I, was, I had the house to myself on a Saturday. Never happens. So I'm flipping <laughs> through the town, and at that point, I can watch whatever I want, right? So I come across this movie called The Last Kung Fu Monk, and I thought, well, I'm going to watch that uh, just by the name. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, so so picture guys like us who grew up on the 1960s bad kung fu movies with the dubbing and and all of that. Okay, and they decided they (laughs) wanted to recreate one of those. So they went down to Walmart and just picked a camcorder off the shelf, just one, uh, and started doing all their their filming with that. Uh, And then for sound effects, they just Googled sound effects and downloaded whatever they could find there. And none of them actually knows anything about kung fu, uh, and they made a movie. That's what this is: the Last Kung Fu Monk. It is awesome in its badness, and it's free streaming on Netflix. You have to, if you're listening to this show, you have to watch this movie. You will not be disappointed in how terrible it is, but it's terrible in the good way. It's terrible in the Sharknado way. Um,
2: <laughs> well, if, if it's in the same breath as Sharknado, Mark, that's some high praise yeah. right there.
0: So it's yeah, just no kidding. It's you know the the laws of physics don't apply. A guy punches somebody in the chest and he flies back forty feet through a concrete wall into a nuclear bunker. Okay, maybe not, but it's it's that it's that kind of thing. It's the the crouching ninja hidden soda pop kind of thing um, <laughs> it's just it's it's uh, it's great it great in its badness um, and all the stereotypes are there there's the the fat cop who only eats jelly donuts and there's the you know the 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 main characters a Shaolin monk who's a pacifist and only fights when he's forced to and only to defend somebody else's honor there's a damsel in distress there's a buddy right who gets beat up and he has to jump in all the tropes are there including and I think they did this as an homage there's a character who is dubbed. And he's, he's obviously speaking English. His lips are moving English words, but they dubbed him anyway. And I think just that's as funny. an homage.
1: That's dude. funny.
0: I mean, that's
2: almost enough to make me go out and get Netflix.
1: I mean... <laughs> I don't know. You could probably yeah, pick to, it up at I'm your grocery store. put in my queue, so... <laughs> that's awesome.
0: So, yeah. The, and this was on... In, in the perfect fashion. It was like... A, it was on UHF Saturday afternoon. I mean, that's that's where those movies belong. So it was my local UHF channel on Saturday afternoon where I, where I discovered the last Kung Fu monk. You have to check it out. Awesome. All right, Chris, what do you got for us this week?
1: Uh, a couple of things. Uh, I started playing with something that I swore off of a long time ago. Contact in the KDM net in the KDE ethos is the, uh, personal information manager similar to outlook in windows or evolution in gnome um but there for a long time contact was horrible uh and you know it's not as horrible anymore um
0: <laughs> that's a ringing endorsement it's not it as horrible it, it, anymore
1: well you know and i think most of it is going to be the fact that i'm not used to it anymore like uh I'm not used to my mail client automatically stripping HTML out of everything and not like not even leaving the tags so I can read the tags or anything. I mean, they're, it's just gone. So I'm not used to it stripping everything and it's, it's kind of throwing me for a little bit of a loop, but uh, I was, I was happily surprised that not only does it IMAP Google correctly with folders and archives the way it's supposed to and everything, it, but it also did the calendars, the task um, that the, you know, the tasks ability yep. on the on that you have in ca- Google Calendar, and the contacts that I it's it's a two way edit. So I was pleasantly surprised at how well Contact has uh, upgraded its back end to handle Google.
0: Cool. And uh, did it make yeah. you mad so, enough to break some boards while you were working with it?
1: No, no, that was another reason. Um, no, this this weekend marked the uh, for. This is one of those weird weekends where I actually ended up with two taekwondo demo demonstrations, and we broke lots and lots of boards between the two demos. Um, I'm sure no one can see the bruises on my hand or my arm, but they're uh, they're quite visible if you're in in person. That one's quite pretty. <laughs> so is that one.
0: I thought real <laughs> kung arm. fu guys didn't get bruised.
1: Oh, you still bruise. No matter how many times you break a board, you still bruise. <laughs> the body still responds to a a traumatic event the way it normally does. It's just the question is, is how fast do you heal after the bruises. Bruce Lee didn't um, bruise. <laughs> that bruise. Is Chuck Norris has never had a old. bruise
0: in his life. Chuck Norris bruises <laughs> bricks.
1: There you go. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that I I suppose that or maybe uh the boards and bricks bruise themselves just by looking at bruce (laughs) by uh looking at him
2: they break so they don't so they don't have to be hit by chuck norris
1: that's (laughs) there it is
0: chuck norris thinks about boards and they break themselves
1: that's awesome
0: all right well that's cool i you know it's it's interesting Uh, the the linux geek is known far and wide as the um, you know the pasty face, ninety pounder, and or the eight hundred pound can barely get out of his chair, and you're a Linux geek, command line godfather who can kick ass. At least if you're made out of wood,
1: <laughs> huh, I, I've been known to hold my own. So let's just put it that.
0: <laughs> All
1: right, Seth, what's going on in your world
0: this week,
2: man? I um, our hot water, our our water, I had to replace the faucet in the bathroom at home and so when i did that man i the, i was like okay gotta you know so you go and you turn off the cutoff valves so the, the cutoff valve was leaking so I'm like great i have to replace the cutoff valve so when i go to take it off the pipe the hot water pipe fails so i'm trying to unscrew the cutoff valve and i ended up breaking the pipe off so i had to run off shut off the water And to make a long story, just a little less long, it ended up taking me four hours by the time I got all the plumbing work done to uh, get that. But anyway, now I have a faucet that I can fit my hands under and stuff and not the cheap little thing that has been on the house since we built it. So, but yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, I hated my dad for teaching me, but I know how to do basic plumbing skills.
0: Well, that's awesome. Uh, That is awesome. It comes in handy, especially after you buy a house yeah so yeah and it was and the
2: faucet ended up costing me a hundred dollars, and by the time I spent all the stuff for materials and everything, so there you go,
1: yeah, I, So uh, you broke even then probably <laughs> I yeah. remember
0: when i when I bought my house, literally the day after we closed on it, uh, a pi- a water pipe broke, <laughs> really, so like the moving day before we'd even moved in, like the truck wasn't even there yet, I'm under the sink replacing a pipe welcome to home ownership. Yeah. Jeez.
2: Luckily I don't have, we don't have like a concrete floor. You know, we have, um, Oh, my mind went blank on me. Um, it, it's, uh, a, a frame. So, you know, just frame, framed in floor. And so I can get under the house and I don't have to like, you know, not worry about concrete or anything like that. Just remove the underpinning to the house. And we put all of the pipes right next to the outside walls, So I just have to kind of get my head and shoulders under there and I can see everything and get everything taken care of that way. So it's a good thing. I didn't have to get all the way under the house because I have lost some weight, but I'm still a big old boy and it's still a little bitty space.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's why I don't climb under houses. <laughs>
0: right. There's lots of reasons I don't climb under the houses. That's one of them. Um Yeah. And we're and we're this, honoring. I thought, yeah, we're honoring. This could be uh, this week in history.
2: Yeah. Well, no, I, I got another this week in history that's really good. Uh, but yeah, September the eighth, nineteen sixty six. Today, Star Trek premiered on NBC. I figure there's a high correlation between Trekkies and listeners to this podcast. So, Star Trek premiered in nineteen sixty six on this day. So that makes it um, forty seven. If if my math is not bad,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah that's. So. Uh, I was going to make a crack about my wife's age, but I'll save that to where she can hear it.
1: Oh, <laughs> You're a brave soul. You are a brave soul. Well, you know, I would
0: never, <laughs> I would never insult somebody behind their back if I wouldn't do it in front of them. Uh, my wife is four They're years right. older than I am, and I remind her of it daily if I can. <laughs>
1: It's a fun oh, button you know, poke, is that what you're yeah,
0: saying?
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. And
2: you know, since women live like six years longer than men, she'll only outlive you by a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um I wanted to let everybody know that there is a new post up in the forum. I have a laptop that has Windows Vista on it, and I'm not looking to keep Windows Vista. I'm looking to put a new OS on there. So I have created a forum post to allow our listeners to tell me what OS to put on there. Um couple of rules. Number one, there have to be at least 20 replies. Um for me to be subject to the results of the poll, not that the winning one has to have 20 votes. So if, if 18 people respond with all different things and two people respond with something else, that's a total of 20 responses. Um, another thing, it has to be a current version. So you know you can't say, I want you to put Ubuntu 4 on there. It's got to be current and it has to be at least a beta. So I'm not going to try and mess with any alpha projects. But having Aww. said that, Oh, and it has to be free and legal. so don't don't try to send me a torrent for OSX or anything. Um, but um, I, I'll I'll give it a shot. And you know, and the thing might be I tried for a month and I couldn't get the dang, the dang thing to work. So, and that would be the report, but I I will give it a try and I put my specs on the forum post. So if it's something that requires 18 processors and four terabytes of RAM, I ain't going to try that either. So anyway, head on over to our forums and look at the specs and see what's going on and let your voice be heard. What OS am I going to play with?
1: All right. That sounds like fun. You might not want to oh. do what they tell you to, though, Seth. <laughs>
2: no, I, I, will, I will give a try. And the poll closes uh, midnight uh, s- Sunday morning, the 22nd. So two weeks from the, this show, wow. we'll find out where it's going to be. So you've got two weeks.
0: All right. And, and uh, perhaps the distro you'll be running is Fedora. And Fedora ended months of uncertainty Oh, bad pun by naming their newest Fedora twenty. And it is Heisenberg. Not quite. Heisenbug Heisenbug.
1: Sorry. Heisenbug. Heisenbug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I, 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 like I can't believe that it made it I can't believe it made Heisenbug, but that's funny.
0: I, so you're uncertain about the the problems in the in the OS. I, it's better than Beefy Miracle, but only barely.
1: Uh, you know, yeah. but Shortener's Cat was pretty good. I like the I like the current version's number name. Sh, you know, Shortener's Cat's a pretty good one.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. You just don't know if it's ever going to work or not. Right. It's both so, running uh, <laughs> and crashed
0: all at the same time.
1: That's right. right.
0: <laughs> so uh, yes,
2: Heisenbug is the new Fedora. Um and that is supposed to be released on November 26th. Um and an alpha is supposed to be out in um what well, uh, nine days from now, September 17th.
1: Yep. And
0: here's and my version. advice about the Heisenbug Alpha: Don't download it. Alpha software is just that alpha. It barely exists. It's an infant. Don't do it. I'm warning you. <laughs> Yeah, Actually and, usually and like the I alpha say, isn't
1: do too alpha. bad. <laughs> usually the alpha isn't too bad because they're usually it, it's just basically the current version with a couple right. of things changed. It's this alpha like one point five that really starts getting wicked.
0: Yeah. Uh, so it don't do it on your production machine. I'll put it that way. You know, it's fine it's fine to play with it, but don't put it on the machine that you do work on, you know, and then <laughs> Uh, that would be bad.
1: Oh, come on! It might be fun. I I,
0: I installed a uh, an Ubuntu. I think it was beta, early beta. It was just it was like just out of alpha and then beta once, and it's like oh, that was the dumbest thing I've done in a very long time. Because as we've talked about on this show, there is no uninstall. There's no rollback. Once you've done it, That's you've done right. it. And it it was before Stuck. I knew about the wisdom of putting home on a separate partition so i had no Ooh. choice but to totally <laughs> format and start over
1: that's when you break out the uh Nopix disk to bring all your to get all <laughs> yeah. your files back out of it and then nuke and pave
2: time to format
0: reinstall <laughs>
2: doo-dah, doo-dah. <laughs>
0: Uh, And uh, this is interesting. I'm not sure if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but LibreOffice is getting commercial support.
2: Yeah, I think it's a good thing. Um, It's coming, it's kind of being provided by the way of SUSE Linux and um, Colabra productivity. So basically, say, you know, one of the arguments against. Linux and FOSS kind of software is, there's no 1-800 number to call. And so now you can say, aha, but there is. So you're basically getting um, paid commercial support for an open source product. So, you know, it's one of those things. I don't know if it's going to be whether you're going to buy a version that they're going to skin or they're going to provide support, you know, it's just one of those things. They kind of released it. So the bun's kind of in the oven, so to speak. But I personally think it's a good thing that uh, this open source project is well and popular enough that there is a company who thinks they can make money providing commercial support for it. I see that has a win for open source. Um, you know, it's just, it's got the groundswell, and they think it'll do good enough that people will get, um, you know, it might help bring people over and free them from the tyranny that is Microsoft Office.
0: Freedom! <laughs> you know, I, I just want to, I've mentioned it before. I want to um, uh, say it again. I use LibreOffice exclusively at home. I don't, I while I own multiple legal copies of microsoft office i don't use it i have it installed on one of my computers and i don't i don't use it and i i share files with work which is an uh, an uh, exclusively office uh 20 tid uh, 20 tid 2010 uh environment i was reading chris's note about kid and that's where that came from um I I trans, I I create files that I send to work I take files from work specialized files and and I use them on uh, open office it it just works it works really well there's I don't understand why the hegemony of Microsoft Office exists because um LibreOffice is so darn good so I just I don't get it
2: Yeah, um, you know, one way where Microsoft Office really excels is crash recovery. Um, It does a really good job of pulling up the information that you are currently working on that, you know, that the autosave didn't do or whatever. So, of course, you know, you could make the argument that, well, the open source one doesn't crash as much or whatever, but I'm just saying that is one way um, where it has yet to catch up to office
0: and I will say this the uh Weber office is not pretty; it is dog ugly in comparison to office twenty ten so you know in the in the world of people who like the way things look that it makes sense to me, so I shouldn't should be quite so baffled uh, but in terms of pure functionality and and just considering the fact that if you put up with something that's ugly, you can save your company hundreds of thousands perhaps hundreds of millions depending on the size of your company you know how uh, star office came about sun microsystems was going to update their um version of microsoft office and uh decided that it would be cheaper to buy a software company than to do that Star Office became OpenOffice. OpenOffice forked and became LibreOffice. This all began because it was cheaper to buy a software company than it was to upgrade Microsoft Office. I just don't understand why we'll people figure. still do it.
1: Yeah, I don't understand it either. Um, I've been using a combination of LibreOffice and Google Docs for whatever it feels like, and I've never had any issues with going from one to the other. The only time I found any hiccups is the fact that um when I moved from a LibreOffice Excel spreadsheet that was highly tooled to Google Docs and then back, the expressions were broken. But nothing hor I mean, not not horribly broken, just a little broken. So I was able to go back in and quickly edit the expressions, but I think that's more to the fact of translating through Google and then back down than actually LibreOffice and expressions.
2: Right. But, yeah, well, and you know, and also, this is coming from us who aren't really afraid of computers, and you know, versus the average user, unfortunately, and of course, this isn't as true for younger people as it is those our age and up. you want me to try something different on on the the I, but i I click that button. I I, I clicked that one and it works. Uh, So, you know, there's still, unfortunately, a lot of that. And the people in charge of the purse strings um, in more established businesses are the older people who don't want to do something new. So they just like, okay, well, it's Microsoft Office and we got to have it. So we're paying for it. Um, But, yeah, this is one of the things where we don't understand it because we're different. But not Mac different. We're Linux different. (laughs)
0: We're the uncool different, <laughs> Right. Uh, okay, then moving right along, Linux Journal has their Reader's Choice Awards up, uh, and we encourage you to go vote. Sadly, they don't have a podcast category, so you can't vote for us right yeah
2: and they've already went through like the nomination round so these are like you're voting for their choice awards and there's several different things like uh what distro and then what distro for limited hardware what distro for high performance uh what's the best desktop what's the best desktop environment what's the best mobile what's the best smartphone manufacturer best tablet and it goes on from there so you can go through and um you know, uh, get involved. Go there. Let your voice be heard. And so, uh, there you go.
0: Hmm. And I don't think that's you know going to change the world, but you know, Linux Journal. I I I I haven't looked, but I bet in the past that these things are defi- decided by dozens of votes and not hundreds or thousands. Um,
2: I think um, there's usually been maybe a couple of thousand votes. So, but that's not the winner got a couple of thousand. I think it was total. But again, I'm just pulling that number out of the air. It it could have been 10 or it could have been 875 (laughs) million. Uh, But yeah, so, you know, it's one of those things the better and and don't just go and click. I like this one. I like this one. You know, vote on the ones that you know. And so we can kind of just help the Linux community because this is one of the things that is so hard in the Linux community or just online in general, you know, because whenever I like looking for numbers because I know how much Mark loves them. And like I go there and, you know, this one thing says Internet Explorer is at 50% uh, and Firefox is at 20 and Chrome is at 10. You go to the next one, Chrome is at 40, Internet Explorer is at 10 and Firefox is at 30. And then, you know, this other one says people actually use Safari. So I know that one's just made up. But, I, you know, it's just like, it's so hard to get Realistic numbers, so let's let's just kind of let's help them out and see, you know, just let's give them a better snapshot of what we're doing out here
0: in the real world. Well, there you go. Speaking of the real Amen, world, brother, um, one of the the recent tropes uh, is that uh, the NSA is driving people to use the tour, but in the real world, that may not be entirely the case.
2: Yeah, we, uh, you know, and we talked about this last week, uh, you know, how Tor was exploding in phenomenal growth up to 1.2 million. Uh, but, and then, but now there's a lot of evidence that apparently a lot of the, just the pattern of growth suggests that it is being a botnet is using Tor to uh, securely communicate with like, you know, phony home to the mothership, so to speak. So... You know, while that, while the tour probably is picking up some, it probably is not explained for the massive growth that has been experienced. Um, I would like to be wrong, but the evidence they put in the story, you know, it's kind of one of those, oh man. Yeah, It must be a botnet. So, you know, and we covered that story last week, and then I saw this follow-up. So I just wanted to kind of continue the discussion and, you know, maybe make people ask and investigate Tor and see if it's something they want to do.
1: Yeah, that sounds if more it's good appropriate to it. I, I think it's a, a tough one there because Tor is a really hard nut to crack usually. So it'll be interesting to see what happens
2: yeah well whenever it's running on current uh software and stuff it's pretty hard but otherwise maybe not so much
1: yeah
0: speaking of things that don't make any sense i know terrible transition samsung has recently announced their plans do not not their plans to but the fact that they are mass producing a ram that nobody uses go samsung yeah
2: yeah, DDR4 16 and 32-gig modules are coming, and they are producing them now. But controllers that take advantage of the uh, DDR4 speed and specs, they really aren't going to be out and available until 2014. So they're going to flood the market with uh, RAM that really nobody can use. Um, I don't know. I guess they're just making so much money selling the uh you know, Galaxy uh, S3, S4, S4A, <laughs> S4Y, S4Narrow, S4Juniors, for juniors, um, that they're like, hey, let's just make memory. You know, it's working on phones. Let's just throw some memory out there. And then I don't think they realize that, hey, all this memory we're making, guys, nobody can use it yet. So
0: And 16 yeah. and 32 gig chips. Dang. So they're yeah. expecting servers to have... Uh, hundred twenty-eight gigs or so. Uh, if they're selling them in that, because you would expect to sell uh in in sets of probably four to go in a server. Um, right. That's
1: a, that's a Are heck of a ECC? lot of RAM. Are those right. ECC corrected type RAM or is that just standard like desktop RAM? Because I didn't see that really said in the in the article very much.
2: Um, it's one that can't. It's kind of something that. Primarily servers used now because of the price of the RAM basically yeah. but oh, okay.
0: so essentially there's not a spec yet um, nobody's nobody's manufacturing it because there's not a spec so people are uh, there's a proposed spec you know it's like when everybody was selling Wi-Fi 802.11g like four years mm-hmm. before G actually existed um, so I, I think that's kind of and- what's going on here. Anyway, right. Samsung is is making some weird choices lately, uh, but it's got to be working for them, I guess. And and speaking of weird choices, one company that's on the way down buys another company that's almost gone. Yawn. Yeah. Well, and. Well, Apparently
2: they didn't buy all the company. They just bought part of the company. Um, but yeah, Microsoft decided to buy Nokia with for some pocket change of $7.1 billion. But unfortunately they're leaving behind like the, the part, the like, cause Nokia is, uh, they're playing patent trolls. Um, in one division of their company going around suing people. For patent infringements Um, they're not buying that part and they're not buying some other things but basically uh, the smartphone manufacturing the nokia luminas uh, they won't be able to be called nokia luminas anymore so all of that brand that has been built up basically has to go away because they won't exist anymore but yeah microsoft buying nokia for 7.1 billion dollars I don't know. You know, it's one of those things, if you make your own hardware, then it seems to work okay for Apple.
0: Yeah, yeah, but, 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 who's making Windows phones right now? Nokia, pretty much. And nobody else. So, why would you buy uh, the only company that's, and they're making darn good phones. This new Nokia phone with the 700 billion megapixel camera on it, whatever, is a freaking good phone, and still nobody cares. So, Microsoft is going to buy the company. Uh, They're going to produce their own products. They're not going to make it better. Most likely, they'll make it worse, but at the very least, they won't make it better because they're already great phones that nobody wants. So now they're buying a corporation to make phones that nobody wants so that they can really push the phones that nobody wants. I don't get it. Well, you don't have to
2: get it, Mark, because they didn't pay you $7.1 billion (laughs) dollars. but yeah you know it's one. i I don't know either um you know it's one of those you know nokia makes the vast majority um i think samsung has a model htc has one uh, a couple others i think lenovo is actually coming out with a phone and there's some other a lot of the big android manufacturers who aren't named Samsung, uh, they also make Windows phones and some of them are pretty decent. But, uh, you know, a slice of Windows phone is not much. But so anyway, and they're still going to license the OS to other people, but now they're kind of making their own. So it's going to be kind of like Google doing their Nexus tablet, but other people can do it too. But yeah, I'm like you, you know, nobody's buying them. But, you know, at least Nokia um, got some money before they totally died um, the slow painful death fire they were on so I guess their shareholders now get Microsoft which you know I don't know they might be getting their swagger back you know now that they're not the biggest software company I don't know maybe they are but now that they're not the market dominator anymore um, I don't know you know maybe there'll be a rejuvenation in Microsoft and this is step four of their 809 steps to world domination again.
0: I mean, like you alluded to, $7 billion is pocket change for Microsoft. It's not going to hurt them. Uh, and I heard right. uh, I heard a couple of guys positing that uh, there's money outside of the U.S. that Microsoft couldn't bring into the U.S. because they'd pay taxes on it, and the taxes right. make it not worth the, the effort. So they took the money that they couldn't bring in anyway outside the U.S. and bought a company outside the U.S. So it's kind of a net wash for them. It was money they couldn't use, and they bought a company they can't use. So, I, you yeah. know, I, I on, honestly, I think that the reason it, behind all this comes down to taxes more than it does products.
1: Well, that and I think well, yeah, maybe it, a little bit it, of it is, is they need a, a tax loophole, too. That might be part of it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this way loss. they can
2: write off. Yeah, they can write off losses and show losses to offset their income and bring the money into the states that way. So it is a big tax write off, and uh yeah, so maybe I don't know, could be All right, i just, I haven't had a lot of experience running billion dollar corporations to comment with authority, although I still comment.
0: well, I did it up until just last week when i when I stepped down due to uh you know wanted to spend more time with my family uh, right
1: oh okay,
0: <laughs> but by the way, I just um a little personal note here. Not only is my one laptop being held together with a rubber band, but the Audacity laptop laptop that I record the show on just crashed. So, oh, that's <laughs> okay. I got the backup recording. We're fine. But uh, if you have ever uh, thought that you might want to uh, uh, to go put some money in the old Element Opie tip jar at elementopie dot com, but you never got around to it, um, now would be a good time to do that because i'm running out of hardware here people
2: yeah or you know at the very least uh elementop.com slash amazon for your next
0: new car and home purchase
2: uh, yes that, yeah. that would help yeah, us a no lot kidding. as well
0: um not something we talk about often but uh you know the, that's a way that you could help us out uh, anyway so i'm just gonna throw that in there before i say that uh there's a there's a real live android to- trojan uh of uh, found in the wild. They've they've been suspected, they've been rumored about. Now one has actually been found.
2: Yeah, um A it's a botnet on Android devices. So botnets are not just for desktops anymore. Um they've they've hit the they've hit the web 2.0. But yeah um Kapersky reported that for the first time malware is being distributed using botnets that were created using completely different mobile malware so it's just one of those things it's the next generation of um virus trojan and malware to plague all of us pure upstanding honest people of a good repute uh you know there's a really neat article um it's it's just a i don't know it was maybe five or six pages called um curious yellow it was just a a hypothesis of, of what the uh, security malware will eventually look like. And it was just really neat. And I think about that article and you can Google it, just curious yellow um, and it, re- download it, read it and just see, cause it's one of those things. It's, I just thought this was a neat story that um wanted to talk about it. So there. Yeah. Yay. We have Android botnets now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know. That you've, you've come of age, um, yeah. Uh, interesting. I my phone is considered a relatively old phone. It's uh, a couple years old. It's it's nowhere near, and it's got a dual one point five core processor in it. Dual core one point five gig rather uh, processor with uh, eight gigs of RAM. Um, that's a netbook, right? And and so of course you could run a botnet on this thing. It, it's it's a it's a computer so yeah. it's yeah. it kind of it's surprising and like i said this that's not even the new one the 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 newest ones have 4 and even 6 cores coming out you know and they're running at uh you know close to 2 gigahertz and they come with like 32 gigs of of usable ram not just storage so um it kind of surprises me that it took this long um and again a trojan is not this is not a virus this is not a uh um a machine this is not Something that is going to take over your machine or whatever. It's something that does says it does one thing and actually does another. That's what a Trojan is. It gets you to download it. Um, you download it, you authorize it, you tell it you can go, and then it's sandboxed in its own little environment, but what it's doing is not what you thought it would do. Yeah.
2: Or what you thought it would do plus something else.
0: Right. Yeah. Like a flashlight app that also drains your bank account. You know. <laughs> that's right.
1: a, that's a that's an added feature. Whoops yeah it's a great feature everyone should have that we don't just
2: drain your battery (laughs) any any any
1: flashlight app can drain your battery
2: we'll drain your bank account as well
0: and then a story that's better left for the mark loves numbers category android downloads more ads than ios
2: yeah well you know all of the metrics that i've seen talks about how you know the iphone snobs use their uh phones for so much more browsing and data than the android wannabes so but according to this um millennial media which is an ad serving network uh in q2 2012 um Android had 46% to Apple's 34, and now Android is up to 51%, but Apple is up to 42. So Android seems to be using, uh, garnering more usage uh, among apps that are serviced by Millennial Media's uh, ad network. Uh, And apparent half, over half of all mobile ads they generate go to Android devices. So again, that's Android, and that's probably also including like you know Amazon as well, because they're just they're Android heavily skinned,
0: and uh, you know that just goes to show you that there is money to be made in advertising on the mobile space. That's uh, been oh, yeah. it's been a difficult thing. People have complained about it because uh, you know the same techniques that worked on the the desktop don't work. Pardon me, I just restarted the laptop and and forgot that the sound was up. Uh, anyway, the, the the techniques that worked on the desktop don't work in the mobile environment, and so people have used that as a reason to say ads don't work on mobile. But, you know, that's clearly not the case. Right. Um, yeah. So, but yeah,
2: so Android beats um, iOS still, at least on this particular ad metric. So just some proof that people who have Android phones like to use them for more than just I don't know maybe they maybe they're busy playing uh, what's the one everybody's playing now Candy Crush but they're actually clicking on the ads or something yeah
0: right and and mobile developers are getting more oh I want to use a word I can't use um, devious uh, about their ad placement they. It's I've I've actually seen games where you know the game demands that you click on a certain place at a certain time, and that's where an ad will pop up.
1: You know, mm-hmm, it, right?
0: It it knows you have to tap there to succeed at the game, so it's going to put an ad there so that you tap on the ad. And and those are the apps I remove <laughs> immediately,
1: as fast as physically possible.
0: Yeah. Um, yep. All right. So moving on to uh, lawsuit weekly. Uh, Cisco has been ruled uh, that it doesn't have rights to sue about a patent.
2: Yes. um, Patent troll TR Labs sued. They did not sue Cisco, but they sued one of Cisco's customers for infringing upon their technology that was in the Cisco router, the company uses and so cisco um they filed um i don't know like like a brief or whatever to that but it got thrown out because tr Labs said uh we're not suing you so you don't have anything to say in this so it's just a patent troll has come up with a new technique um this is one that i kind of i kind of hope this thing gets thrown out because if i buy or if i buy a router I shouldn't get sued for something they did when I purchased it legally, and and that's what they're saying here. Um, it, it's like if you were to buy a Ford car and Ford had stolen their design from Nissan um Nissan is going to sue you for using their engine that's in the Ford car you paid for. That's right. exactly what this is and Nissan is saying uh no Ford you're not a part of this because we're not suing you. We're suing the person you sold it to. Um so you have no part in this lawsuit.
0: And of course so, the reason um, they do that is because end users don't have uh a building full of lawyers on retainer and so you go to you know uh Johnny's Burgers and stuff. Who happens to be using a Cisco router and say you're in violation of our patent? Pay us twenty thousand dollars, or we'll sue you. They have no choice but to pay. So that's why right. they're going yeah. for that target. It's 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 uh, bully. It's it's legal bullying at its best. And I'm glad it got shot down. Now I'm sure they won't. Well, no, it uh, hasn't.
2: It hasn't got shot down yet. What they shot down was Cisco getting involved right. because Cisco isn't okay. the one being sued. So I hope this case gets shot down but it hasn't yet um so yeah it's one of those things the lawsuit is still active um you know maybe it's active because the judge is laughing too hard (laughs) to bang his gavel and say you're an idiot but um you know but yeah so tr labs is suing um certain customers of cisco and cisco is kind of powerless because they Cisco filed a lawsuit asking for a declaratory judgment that TR Lab's patent wasn't valid and TR Labs said "Uh, you can't do that because we're not suing you yeah. Um, so yeah hopefully you know at, at some point logic and, and uncommon sense has to you know just on a statistical average it, it, you can't avoid logic and uncommon sense for this long eventually it will turn up just just you know for pure randomness
0: yeah and and and, you know if if the honorable judge mo ron is is providing uh, presiding this you never know what could happen um and there are there are more more than a few of them out there uh and and if this precedent is allowed to happen I mean, are are we going to get sued for eating Big Macs when McDonald's uh, uh, ignores a patent? You know, uh, yeah, there's, it's weird. it's a terrible precedent, and it has to be shot down.
1: Well, let's hope well, yeah, does. that cause then because then otherwise, anyone, you know, we could be sued for our microphones because we're talking into a microphone. Yeah, yeah.
2: So anyone <laughs> you know, that this. Right. Anyone that this company then provides a service to would be, uh, would have gained based on this past, so yeah it it has at some point you know i don't say common sense anymore i say uncommon sense because there is so little of it but you you it, somebody has to trip over uncommon sense and go what is this oh my gosh uh you know you, they can't keep doing stupid stuff uh it's just the law of averages is, is working <laughs> eventually you them. get
0: somebody who's not a blooming idiot <laughs> right good luck <laughs>
2: I mean, you know, that's about the only theory I've got left. Is somehow, some way, somebody who isn't a complete idiot will be involved in one of these
0: cases. So, as long as we're talking about idiots, let's talk about patentfreedom.com and their listing of the top patent trolls.
2: Yes. Um, uh, NPE, which stands for let me go back to iant non practicing entities yeah um basically they hold a patent they don't use and isn't directly related to what they do but they sue people who use it um and apple tops the list yay uh, okay. go we'll apple figure. now this is
0: this is not this is a list of the companies being sued right so these aren't right. these aren't uh apple it doesn't have the most patent troll cases Apple has the most patent trolls going after them. So let's, I want to make sure that we're clear on that.
2: Yeah. And, you know, and this makes me think that maybe patent trolls aren't all bad. If <laughs> Apple is the top of the list. No. Um, but, yeah, so Apple, in and starting in, they go through 2009 through the uh, middle of this year. Uh, Apple has 171 cases Um that's like 34 more than Hewlett Packard, which is number two. Um, and I saw this from OS news and I loved their take on this. Uh, virtually all large technology companies are increasingly being targeted by patent controls. I shed no tears for any of them, though. Offensive abuse of software design patents is always wrong, whether you produce products or not. You reap what you sow. These companies actively lobby to keep the patent system as it is and as such, they deserve exactly what they're getting. I thought that was a neat quote, and I just wanted to pass that along to the yeah. Element OP faithful and so that's why i put this story in
0: and an nba a non-practicing entity by the way what that means is uh i have a patent but i don't have a product i'm not doing anything right. with that patent but suing people over it, over it um and the the colloquial term is a patent troll but the official term is an nba non-practicing entity
2: yeah a lot of times what they do is they buy bogus patents or you know we would think they were bogus but they obviously don't but somebody has some idea that says hey you might be able to use software to remotely open a door one day and so they get patent number (laughs) for 498 billion and npe express comes in and says hey i will give you 50 dollars for that patent and he goes sure and then so when somebody uses software to open a door they say ah i've got this patent you owe me five billion dollars for patent infringement um and you multiply that times the number of software patents there are, which is approximately 497 trillion, uh, <laughs> and that's how many lawsuits there are. Um, those numbers are just rough guesses. Um, I, you know, I might be off one or two either way, so, so don't hold me to those numbers. But that's the NPE uh, mindset explained uh, as per the GUI kit. Did I do a
0: good job? Good. Yeah. Moving right along, the the LPI Academy, the Linux Professional Institute, is begging for Linux-qualified people to get certified. Yeah, uh.
2: and they have produced an academy that they're, like, introducing into schools because everybody and you know sometimes you use everybody has an exaggeration but no everybody even microsoft if you know how to use linux and you can do more than spell it and you know know what day it was started on you know, basically they want you. 93% of employers were looking to hire Linux staffers in the next six months, and 90% are having trouble finding qualified individuals. So one of the biggest problems with the open source revolution in uh, corporate America is the lack of open source qualified technicians. And so that's the LPI has kind of got this um, academy program to produce entry-level Linux professionals um you know and it's one of those things where they're kind of hoping it will catch off and catch on in schools in much the way that like cisco academy um i know i don't know if they're big anymore but i know for a while it was a big deal to get like a cisco academy in your high school and you could come out there Mm -hmm. with um, a cna and go straight into big bucks
0: and where else might you be able to get uh, a, an LPI certification, maybe something even with the word academy in the title. Yes, you guessed it, my friends. The Linuxacademy.com has, in fact, uh, courses for LPI certification. And just recently, just this week, they've added an AWS, which is Amazon Web Services Certification. Um, to the uh, course to their lineup. The AWS Certified Solutions Architect, the course module is there. Users have already passed the test and become certified based on the learning they got over at Linux Academy. What kind of learning, you ask? Why? I'll tell you. Step-by-step video courses uh, designed to take you from knowing nothing to knowing just about everything about Linux administration. Not just videos, but also uh, downloadable resources, PDF study guides, things like that. You get your own, um, uh, In uh, speaking of Amazon, you get your own Amazon cloud server farm that you can work with. Uh, and So as you're walking through the video, you can be in, in another window over here actually doing what you're learning to do. And, uh, and it, because it's Amazon, because it's uh, in the cloud, if you screw it up, you just blow it away and start over again. So it's a safe learning environment where you don't have to trash your own equipment. To do it. They've got about 200 videos already uh, in this nice lesson browser layout. So you don't have to say, I want to take the AWS Certified Solutions Architect course. You can just take one lesson in that course and just another lesson in that course if you just want to buttress your knowledge a little bit. Uh, but if you want to take whole courses, of course, that's there too. But their lesson browser tracks your a la carte learning so that you know what you're doing. And when you're done with a course, you can take a quiz because they have a fully functional quiz module with not just easy questions. These are real questions that you actually have to know the stuff to be able to answer. So much so that once you've gone through the course and you've done the quizzes, you can go straight and get your certification. They have both LPI and AWS uh, certification classes on right now, and they're adding all the time. Anthony um, is constantly adding to this site, and uh, I know that things are going to be coming along uh, down the line in the near future. So if you want to check it out, it's only going to cost you a buck, a dollar for for a two-week trial. So 14 days for a buck. You give Anthony a buck just, you know, just to throw a tip at him. Actually, just, it lets him know that you've got a, an online payment uh, account and you can actually pay if you need to. And then he just opens the door for you and says, come right on in. So you get two weeks for just all-you-can-eat buffet of learning. Download whatever you want. Watch as many videos as you want for two weeks. And then when you're done with your two weeks and when you're ready to sign up for more, and I know you will be, it's only $19 a month. $19 a month for some of the best learning on the internet. Uh, $19 a month for what could become your new career, earning you hundreds of thousands a year. $19 a month for certified, edu- experienced educators to work with you one-on-one in the forums and through their videos to learn how to run Linux, how to become uh, you know what you're going to be, what you want to be when you grow up. $19 a month. That's ridiculously cheap, but it gets better. Because if you buy two months, they throw a third one in for free. You can buy a quarter for only $38. If you haven't already signed up, what are you doing here? Go sign up. A buck to try it out. $19 for a month, $38 for a quarter, and high-quality learning. Larnin'. You can get yourself some larnin' there over at thelinuxacademy.com. When you get there, tell them that we sent you by using the code everydaylinux in the referral field when you sign up. Excellent lead yeah. in, Seth.
2: Thank you. I specifically, <laughs> yeah. i like, that's a great story to lead in to the uh, commercial. So, <laughs>
1: And I will just say this. It is definitely command line approved. So uh, go out and learn something. All right. And this week
0: in computing history, September 9th, 1945 at 3.45 p.m., a bug was born.
2: Yes, Grace Murray Hopper records the first computer bug in her logbook as she worked on the Harvard Mark II. Actually, I should say uh, a
0: bug died.
2: (laughs) Right. But it was reborn, so the circle of life happened all here because and this is actually why they're called bugs because the problem was traced to a moth that got stuck between a relay in the machine um so and then the cool thing was uh, grace hopper taped the moth into the log book with the explanation uh first instance of an actual computer bug being found this week so tomorrow monday will be the actual anniversary of the day at three forty-five p.m so i guess that would be eastern time since it was at the harvard mark ii
0: <laughs> isn't that cool i mean that's that's a dutiful uh sister right? you took complaint about coders who don't document She documented by putting the actual bug on an index card. (laughs) That's documentation, people. Coders take note. That's how to document your code.
2: Yeah. So I thought that was, that's kind of cool, you know, so, and and that's the kind of useless historical trivia that I love. Uh, And so I get to share that with our audience here and you get to know me so well. And now we all know Grace Marie Harper just a little bit better. (laughs)
0: And because I love numbers, Windows 8, people use it apparently to download stuff.
2: Yes, it is up now. Not only has it eclipsed the mighty, mighty buttress of Vista, but it has eclipsed all versions of OSX combined. It is up to a whopping 7.41% of the worldwide operating system market share. Um so there you go. Windows 8 growing by leaps and bounds. And when I say leaps and bounds, think of like if an ant could leap or bound. <laughs> that, that's uh, that's how big it's growing. And to put it in perspective, Windows XP, which loses support in just about one year, has fallen to 33.66%. So um, it still has over four times the usage of Windows 8. And See, and here's another one of those things. According to this website, um, uh, Ars Technica, which is where we found this one at, Internet Explorer still accounts for 49.5% of Internet traffic. Firefox is at 16. Chrome is at 13. And this is how I know this site is wrong because it says Safari is at 12. So I don't understand how Safari is at 12%. Um,
1: I I know. I I know how it works. That's mobile Safari. Yep. That's going to be the mobile iTunes, the iPhone. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you okay.
2: Well, so, yeah, well, there you go. But, so, Safari, is it, in? but Internet Explorer, do y'all really still think it has 50% market share?
0: I do, I do. But how many businesses uh-huh. don't get anything but IE on their network? Yeah, yep. 50% seems low to me. Really? Okay, well,
1: all right. It, well, it's, uh, it's not the anyway. best. Anyway. It, it, I don't like the percentage, but that's you know, it, it's probably fairly close. Yeah. So if you, you so?
0: if you combine mobile safari and desktop safari, that's how you get to the twelve percent. Oh yeah. And yeah. IE the same way. If you combine the Windows eight IE and the Windows eight tablet IE, that's how you get there.
2: Okay. Well I'll I'll believe that I get It just, it seems high to me. And, um, but yeah, so windows, uh, and you know, windows XP is falling faster than, uh, X or than windows eight is gaining, but it's still going to have a sizable chunk, at least based on current trends, whenever it, by the time it expires. And so, you know, windows eight is slowly coming up there, but it's, it's still not there. But yeah, so anyway, we'll have these link in the show notes if you want to go and look at it and you can see what version of IE, what version of Firefox and Chrome and all that people are using. But I just like to throw the numbers out and talk about them and see um just to let y'all know because I know y'all crave information crave and information. that's why you tune in to our podcast because of the excellent information we provide about everything, not just Linux.
0: We we are journalists here. We're not just podcasters. We are journalists and and we spread the news all the news that's fit to print and a whole lot that isn't
1: uh, right.
0: so you're a happy ubuntu user and ubuntu updates itself every six months and exactly seven days after ubuntu updates firefox drops a brand new major upgrade what are you gonna do you're stuck you can't install it you because the the version you have doesn't support it and the new one won't be up for six more months. And the way Firefox is going, that'll be seventy four more iterations before you're there. What are you gonna do?
1: That that was gonna say, That might be Chrome, not Firefox. Well, I just <laughs> picked one,
0: Chrome too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Chrome would be seventy eight. Firefox would be like sixty four. <laughs> so. so there you go. A solution to that is a personal package archive. Now, Ubuntu created these things just for this sort of purpose, to get around its relatively slow, but really actually very fast, six-month release cycle. Um, and they decided, they didn't always decide to use the latest and greatest. If they didn't think it was stable enough, they wouldn't put it in their system. So um, there was a shortcoming there, and people were having to download their own source and compile their binaries. And, and that's fine for the command line godfather, but the GUI kid's not going to do that. Um, so. Nope. Enter the personal package archive. Initially, it was set up so that only the uh, the developer or a, or a large company could do that. So, so Firefox could cr- put a PPA out there that you load into your system, and it would treat it just like the regular Ubuntu repositories. When an update came out, it would be there. Um, it's a great yeah. solution. And then later, they said, you know what? This is such a good idea. We're just going to let anybody do it. So anybody can host a PPA. They don't have to go be certified. They don't have to do anything. You just throw it out there, and you can add it to your system, and you can update any software um, at will, whether it's in a repository or not. So think of a PPA as sort of a homegrown, uh, community-sourced, crowdsourced um, Ubuntu repository.
1: Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. That's about perfect.
0: And so then the question is, should you use them? Uh well... Here's my take on it. That depends. (laughs) Uh, The way I see it, if you want to use the software, then you obviously trust the guy or the team who wrote the software. So if you trust the team that wrote the software to run their software, surely you must trust them to update the software. So put the PPA on. The trouble is most PPAs tend to be nightly builds. So while they're working on stuff, um th- th- that's not always the case but in general they tend to be unstable builds so while they're working on working on stuff you get all the buggy stuff um and that's just kind of Otherwise the, taking the bad with the leading edge yes um so yeah,
1: so, so yeah sometimes the ppas so are leading edge software
0: Go ahead, Seth.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, whenever you say bugs, you're referring to the electronic kind and yes, not the actual moths, not the moths that get caught in uh, relays anywhere. Because at this just point share
0: in history, you cannot uh, send a moth electronically over the internet. Someday we'll be there. And then you'll literally have to worry about bugs. But right. not right now.
2: Ooh, that gives like, so, like viruses that- a uh, whole
1: other yeah. meaning.
0: You'll be back to the fly, right? You got the guy that... Yep, I just bring that up. Yeah. You'll have to make sure that nothing gets in with your um, order of cupcakes. They're going to be electronically sent over to you because you might get more than just icing on top of those suckers. Ooh. So anyway, back to PPAs. Um, Why would you use a PPA? I just laid out one reason that you want to use something newer than Ubuntu supports. What are some other reasons, Chris?
1: Uh, one would definitely be such as the fact of a piece of software that I use called Hot Hot. It's uh, it's not released in any of the um re- uh, built-in repositories for Ubuntu. So if you want to use it, you have to set up the PPA to even install it because there's no other way to get it.
0: Uh, well, I used uh, PPA for Handbrake, my favorite uh, yeah. DVD ripping tool, and you can download a binary of Handbrake. But you have to wait for somebody else to code the binary for something, and and if I needed to, you know, an update, I didn't have an option there. Uh, so yeah. uh, they uh, they made a PPA available. So if this particular um, encryption technique uh, popped up, they could get around it, and having instead of having to wait for the ladle, the final binary to be released, uh, so that I could make legal archive copies of the DVDs that I purchased. Take that NSA. Um, then, uh, then I could do that using a PPA. Uh, and and again, if it's if it's a software like hot, hot, I have no idea what that is. If it's something that not a lot of people have heard of, but you still want the convenience of being able to just click the update button in your um, uh, Ubuntu s- software center, that's a way to do it. And that's what it is. Once you load it in there, it just becomes another piece of software. You never think about it again. You load yep. the uh, you load the PPA. Um, and and that's it. You're done. So now every time your system checks for updates, it checks that and uh, when there's an update, you get the little bouncing notification or whatever it is on your system that lets you know there's a uh, uh an update to be done. You click the button, you tell it to update and it goes and it's it's set it and forget it as as Ron Popiel would say.
1: Yeah. Uh just to clarify, Dot is a Twitter updating system. So similar to like uh um Hootsuite or uh tweet deck
0: oh 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 breaking news breaking news the gooey kid has found the last kung fu monk on youtube <laughs> so you don't even have to have uh netflix anymore Whoop, i keep doing that accidentally is it the full movie seth it is um
2: an hour and it's like over an hour and a half so that would be so, the full movie <laughs> yeah or i'm sorry 1 wow. hour and 29 minutes not to be confused with the Phantom Kung Fu, um, which is apparently another one, but I might have to check out.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, wait. Everybody stop while I go watch the show. For my so, <laughs> yeah, I found it on Netflix, but now you don't have to have Netflix. If you got YouTube, it's right there. Oh, it's and, cheesy, gory. <laughs>
2: and i am utilizing download helper to download the flash version so that i can watch it at home because otherwise i would be able to watch 5 minutes wait a couple watch 5 wait a couple and i just like you know i don't want to do that so
0: <laughs> oh beautiful beautiful that okay that uh, that totally broke the show but it's worth it i'm telling you people this movie is worth breaking the show over um so bpa's that's <laughs> That's kind of all there is to it.
1: Um, yeah, there's not much to them, really. Yeah, it, they're just another way of getting a repository.
0: Um, so you know, I didn't. I, I did. It's not really worth a whole show, but at the same time, it was too much for just one news article. So here you go. Here's the PPAs, what they are and what they do. So uh, here's here's one of the the downsides of them. They're since they're not Ubuntu repositories you can't always trust them to be up to date or, or updated at all. And you can't always trust the site to be up because it could be running yep. on a guy's server in his bedroom. Yep. And you don't know. So, and uh, you know, I said like a, like handbrake, for example, that's a very small team of developers. Um, and so one of those developers may be running a PPA server <laughs> literally out of his basement uh so that those are some of the downsides when when uh the repositories are built they you know uh ubuntu the uh shuttleworth foundation they go and download all that code put it on their tier 1 network mirror it out um and so that you've it's always going to be highly available uh so that's that's a reason not to use ppas but if you got a choice of you know I can't get the software without it or I can't get the functionality I want without it you kind of don't have a choice, but the original question that was asked uh, that I can't remember the guy's name was, uh, what are they and should I trust them? So that's what they are, and trust is re- that really comes down to you. I mean, what what yeah. do you want to do? But again, the, the way I look at it is you're trusting the guy enough to run his code already. That's, that's trust. When you're running somebody's code, you're giving them full control. So, you know, you pr- you already trust the guy.
2: Well, okay, Mark, let me um, let me just throw a hypothetical security question in there. What would be what would there to be to stop some hacker um, or somebody with the intent to, you know, whether it be install a Trojan or for nefarious reasons to host a PPA and claim to be, say, handbrake? Maybe it is handbrake, but it's handbrake plus a bank Trojan.
0: Nothing at all. And that's that's a danger can happen. uh because it's not vetted in any way. So um, you know, the idea is um you would only click on a link directly off of the the project's homepage. You know, don't do a Google search for uh PPA of something and then just pick any random site. Um but yeah, you're right, Seth. There's there's no way to know. There's no way to vet it. Um and so you gotta be careful about what you're doing. And I don't I wouldn't I, this is a totally arbitrary number. I'm making this up. But I would say as a general rule, you shouldn't have more than like three or four PPAs uh, in your system. Just because if it, there aren't that many things that you have to have right now that are important enough that Ubuntu doesn't already have them. That's a blanket statement. Your mileage may vary. But, you know, if you've got a whole bunch of PPAs, I have to question the way you're using your computer.
1: Yeah. you, you Well, if, if that's the case, you know, an Ubuntu or one of the Ubuntu-based derivatives may not be the right choice for you um, because you're already highly customizing your rig with all those PPAs. You know, like Mark said, maybe three to four, maybe five, depending on what you're using. For example, um, personally, I don't run very many um, of the Ubuntu setups, but I do run – when I do have one, I do have a few – uh, PPAs that I definitely put in, you know, like Pigeon and Wine. Um, Handbrake is definitely another one, and then I use one called Pythos because he has a, a simple PPA setup for his install of the Pythos client. So if I have a, a Ubuntu-based derivative, um, I'll install those PPAs without even thinking because I want the most current version of whatever version of that software is out there.
0: Okay. Any other thoughts or comments on PPAs? Hey, we might get in out of a show in less than an hour and a half this week. Sweet. Wow. <laughs> All right. And so, just a little uh, programming note. I mentioned this, I think, during. The, yeah, I did. It was during the show last week. Uh, next week yeah. is going to be a re airing of one of our favorite episodes because I will be with my family in the Magic Kingdom. Um probably is not going to be as magic to me as it is to the kids cuz I'm the one paying for it. Uh, by the uh, way,
2: a uh, one <laughs> one note on that mark, yes. whenever you go back to Orlando when you're driving your rental car back to Orlando, fill up as far away from the airport as possible um when i had to fly out of orlando there's like one gas station within 10 miles of the airport and the price per gallon was literally over twice the national average i paid like it was like seven dollars a gallon but since i was doing everything on expense account and i didn't like the company i was working for (laughs) i I didn't care but yeah so that was uh fill up next to the magic kingdom where it's only four or five bucks a gallon and uh you'll save some money on your rental car thing
0: well, we're not flying, we're driving, because from Georgia, it's only about a six and a half hour trip, so not a oh, big deal. well, there you go. We wouldn't be okay, going well. if we were flying, um, because I, I, I'm, I'm all about honesty and transparency, I, I don't mind telling you. So, my family of, of five people, uh, we were going to do three days uh, in the park, three or four, we couldn't decide. So, five people, three days in the park, or four days in the park, rather, five people, four days in the park- Fifteen hundred and forty dollars for the tickets, Ooh, just right. the park tickets. So I thought, okay, that's that's ridiculous. Let's let's back off and just do three days. Fifteen hundred and ten dollars, thirty dollars difference. So I thought, okay, um, surely there's some sort of deal site that's buying directly from Disney. I've got to find some place better than that. So I did. Fifteen hundred dollars even. It was like a ten dollar discount. Um, so did dang people Um, the magic kingdom is magically draining my wallet
1: well Mark honestly though you'll know you'll see why when you get there Right? Um, I've been there just recently and uh, it was what two years ago the last time I was there something like that two three years ago the park is phenomenal it's so clean I've never seen an amusement park this clean before ever Um, and I've never and not one crossword from anybody there
0: yeah, so well, who wants to go there then? <laughs>
1: yeah. So,
0: uh, you know, we're going, we're taking my kids and we're going to go ahead and do the four day thing. And, um, and that's just, just for the tickets. Right. So then there's, uh, accommodations are separate from that. And then yeah. dining is separate from that. And then of course you can't go to the park without buying souvenirs because Disney is essentially a mall with rides. It's all yep. about getting you to buy stuff. So you know, I put aside 3K for this vacation, and I think I'm going to go over that. I really do.
1: Oh yeah, um, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> You'll probably wow. hit the four and a half if, if I if I were to take a guess.
0: I'm not going to hit four and a half because I don't have it. Uh, <laughs> but just just a, a little um, b- b- advice: if you're going uh, to to Orlando and you want to uh, to go, don't don't stay in a hotel. Certainly, don't stay in a park. Okay. I found now. I'll tell you about it when I get back. But a buddy of mine who who is from Orlando, when I told him I was going, he's like, "Dude, I got the hookup for you," and he uh, s- sent me this link to several websites, and um, um, I can't remember any of them off the top of my head. But it's people who own condos down there, either investment properties or they own their own condos, and they rent them out to people. Um, and so we got a four uh, a, a three bedroom, two bath condo for seven nights, six uh six seven days, six nights for five hundred dollars total. Wow. Yeah. So that's a wow. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you're gonna pay one seventy five to two hundred a night in a hotel for because you are you're, you're looking at two rooms there uh for five people. Uh so in two rooms you're looking at one hundred seventy five to two hundred per person. I mean per room. Okay, so if you really get a good deal, you might get it for like 125 per room. So now you're looking, because I want two rooms, right? So you're looking at 250 So for two nights, I paid for seven nights, or six nights, rather. Um, and the other piece of advice he gave me is whatever they tell you it is at first, don't take the first offer. Because these people are motivated. If they don't rent their condo, they're paying their mortgage. Right. So, so argue with them. So that's how I got the 500 That wasn't the initial offer. But I argued with them, and I got uh, five hundred dollars for seven uh, for six nights. Um, and the 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 part, the condo is it's got uh, I've seen pictures of it. It's a nice place. It's got uh, like a couple of pools and a couple of little kiddie areas and a, a mini golf course. Uh, and it's three miles from uh, downtown Disney. So some great. of the some of the hotel some of the Disney owned hotels aren't that close. So it ought to be a great right. deal. And I'll tell you about it when we get back. But that's my tip right now, is uh, is look for a condo rental. And, and and they're making a great deal, right? I don't know what their mortgage payment is, but it's probably less than, than $2,000. And if they rent it for $500 four weeks a month, they're paying their condo payment and making money on the deal. So it's a win-win situation. I don't get maid service. I have to clean my own room, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. For what you're paying? Yeah, buddy. So just a little free advice. Now, if I come back and tell you that it was miserable, it was actually 30 miles away and not three, and there were holes in the floor, I'll let you know. But uh, um, for now, uh, I, just, I just thought I'd let you know. All right. So on to our links for the week, our tips of the week. Uh, Chris, what is our command line tip this week?
1: Well, I figured since we were talking about PPAs, I might as well give off the PPA. Um, how to add an, a, a PPA repository command. Um, in the command line, it's add-apt-repository and then you type in the PPA address. And that will add whatever PPA to your system um, and you don't have to go through the hoops to jump through in order to get one, to add one in the uh, GUI software center. There you go. So I, I always one think line. that's a little bit faster. One line.
0: And uh, Seth? All I'm going to say is Seth. <laughs> Man, I found I was looking for
2: something and I came across this site. Um rentamidget.com. That is the URL and they are short people who um you know you can they will hire themselves out as Cupid. Um there's a rapper called 5 Cent. Um they're in the around... <laughs> they're in and around vegas um and so it's a group of it's a group of guys and they have they're marketing the fact that they are short and you know they are what what is the politically correct term is it dwarven uh or mid- dwarves you know dwarves okay yeah. because yeah you know, I'm, I'm not trying to insult them that's their url rentamidget.com, and that's what they do you can do um you can rent them out uh, to do things. Like I say, you know, they do cupid service. They um, all kinds of stuff. Uh, if you want to have a leprechaun to pass out candy at St. Patrick's Day, uh, you want to have an elf for your Christmas event. You know, you want to have uh, anything like that. So, and, and like I say, one of the funniest is there's a uh, there's a rapper five cent he's available for vegas stag parties music videos television work and getting down at your home party
0: make it a summer to remember Uh, and their slogan is their slogan is yes we do that that's crazy yeah
2: i just i thought i i had to share that because i mean it was just funny and uh but you know i'm like i say i'm not making fun of them i i think it's cool and i hope they do really good i i hope their business is booming so if you're in and around the vegas area and you want to have some you want to hire entertainment for some party legal entertainment for some party that you're doing uh you know give them a give them a ring and see and if nothing else they put on their main website they like it when people prank call them so you know try to uh come up with some scenario do a prank call put it online and you might get on their website too so they seem to have fun with it and that's what i'm hoping uh and apparently they even have a um like a um, magician as well
0: their parent company is their parent company is tiny entertainment It's great. Yeah. Tiny entertainment. So yeah, the the views expressed at Renamidget.com are not those of Element OP or their subsidiaries. I just have to say that. Um <laughs> at least there was no bowling that I could see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um like I say, I just thought
2: it was funny. So yeah. I wanted to share.
0: So if you would like to contact us this week or any other week, the place to do that is over at elementop.com. There's the contact us button at the top of the page. There's the email address, edl at elementop.com. There's the the Google voice number, 559 imop where you can leave a voice and literally in a very real way be on the show. Um, There's also uh, the uh, Amazon link for all your Amazon purchases. It doesn't cost you a dime. In fact, you don't even notice it, but it kicks me back a little bit of money. And, of course, the tip jar there, if you're just so inclined to throw some money my way, I would like more people to be that inclined. And, uh, uh, of course, if you're interested in advertising, any of those um, links will work as well. Contact me and say, hey, I want you to advertise my stuff. We can do that. All right. That's enough of the uh, the shameless promotion. for. Uh, people tell me often I don't do enough shameless promotion. Um, and that's, you know, they say that to, to succeed in this business, you have to do that. You have to be the kind of guy who's going to uh, always be promoting his own stuff. I don't know that I agree with that. But every now and then, just a little taste of some fact that, you know, if you like our show and you want to kick us back some money, there are a few ways to do it. Some cost you money. Some don't. Uh, the Amazon way is, is great because it's free to you. You're buying the stuff you wanted to buy anyway. So Anyway, enough about that. Chris, Seth, thanks for being on the show, as always. You were uh, gentleman and scholars, except for that whole midget thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you back here for a brief visit. Uh, next week, uh, but we'll be back live and in person the week after that. By the way, if you want to watch live, we record 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday nights over at elementopie.com slash live, and you can watch the show unfold before you. So, uh, without anything else to say, I will simply say that ends this episode of Every Day. Please.